Konnichiwa! Welcome to In Our Community Podcast Season 2, where we talk about life, fitness, youth training, nutrition, and more. Recorded at Resurrection Movement Studio in Danville, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Coach Hitty, and sitting across from me is our lovely co-host, one and only, Coach Michelle. If fitness was a big family dinner, head of the table would be nutrition, adult table would be strength training, and kid table would be cardio. That was a Twitter post made by respected trainer in Utah, Coach Nick Redman. When it comes to nutrition, sometimes it is so difficult to navigate through the web of information you can find on the internet. In today's podcast, Coach Michelle and Coach Hitty sat down to give practical advice on how you can begin to discover what your version of the quote-unquote perfect diet looks like. Thank you for listening to our show. Please don't forget to subscribe to our show and leave us a comment on iTunes. Let's get this started. Last week, we talked about the idea of a perfect program and pigging back off of that. This week, I want to talk about perfect nutrition or perfect diet. So obviously, the answer is kind of similar in regards to really it depends and slash it doesn't exist. You know, it's one or the other. There's no perfect diet that's for everyone. Everybody's diet that's perfect for them is going to look slightly different. Mm hmm. So, Deuce, to you, what is a perfect diet? <laughs> How would you define that? So, one of the biggest things that I learned from you is that you don't have to restrict yourself. A lot of people have that idea that if I want to have the perfect diet, that means restricting uh, what I eat, how many calories I have, all of that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, perfect diet. Lots of the good stuff. Some people will think like, well, it doesn't matter as long as I eat this many calories. It doesn't matter what I eat, but that's not true. Mm -hmm. So you want to eat things that fill you up that aren't going to, you know, make you so hungry later or fill you up so much that you don't feel good. Um, fruits and veggies, proteins, a nice balance between everything. Mm -hmm. And it's OK if you want that good stuff that maybe, you know, isn't the best for you. You need that, too. Right. And you have a really interesting dynamic at your house, right? So most of your family members eat meat, mm -hmm. but you have uh, one, I can't even call him a kiddo anymore because he's <laughs> yeah. so old. Right. He's, he's <laughs> actually the adult in the house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he is vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So whenever Mel and I used to cook over quarantine, she had to prepare something else for him. Um, so how does that dynamic play into what you guys choose to eat on a daily basis? Right. So I we do always have a meat usually with pretty much every meal. But what so Ethan being home for this last year has really made us focus more on having more vegetables and, you know, adding those kind of things in. And I always like to see what he cooks and how he modifies something. And it's still, you know, I always thought that I would miss that meat component but a lot of times if he cooks for us I don't miss it at all and I, I feel satisfied I feel good I feel healthy so do you 
Have you guys talked about like how he became a vegetarian or the reason why he chose to become a vegetarian? Because he was never not, he he wasn't always a vegetarian. He right? was he was not, and uh, for him, it's about the treatment of animals. Yes, w- environmental factors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big factor. For yes, sure. yeah, he did a lot of things and a lot of really good things that he loved doing, but he, it just kind of opened his eyes. So, mm-hmm. and I'm not here to speak about that. I don't have a whole lot of knowledge on that. I actually prefer to not know some of those things yeah uh at first though he was trying so whatever we would have he would try to buy the vegetarian substitute substitute Mm. thank you yeah but then he decided he considered that a little bit of cheating Mm. and he wanted to just go into more of a plant-based yes diet and uh i i really like that and since he's made that switch it's it's opened my eyes and everybody's eyes and and uh yeah, so it's kind of changed up how we always have vegetables cut in some form for mm-hmm. something somewhere, beans. Um, right. Yeah. So it's this is a good turning point to talk about. I've become more plant-based over mm-hmm. the quarantine. I think it was around April I switched to that. Predominantly, I became more intrigued in the idea of consuming more vegetables. That's something we always preach. When a client comes in, for nutrition advice, it comes down, I usually give the same three tips because these are three tips that a lot of people do miss. Number one, eat your friggin' vegetables. <laughs> and I put friggin' in there because a lot of people don't. Right. And that's like one of the main things. Eat your vegetables. And when you look at your plate, I need you to have a vegetable component with every meal. That should be a must. And I feel like a lot of people are missing that and no french fries do not count as a vegetable <laughs> number two choose to drink water yes. a lot of people choose soft beverages or alcoholic beverages over water but really we need to be consuming a lot more water than than we think we do um and then the third thing is eat real food not food like substance there's a two difference mm-hmm. so you think about granola bars to me that's a food like substance it's not real food i'm talking about real food as in something that grows on a tree or on the ground or you know if you eat meat like an animal that has a parents that kind of stuff is real food uh i became interested in the more of a plant-based i do tend to eat more seafood uh, but i could totally go just vegetables because of comparing the diet in japan versus the united states mm-hmm. in japan we tend to eat a lot more vegetables and a lot more fish and you look at when you if you ever go to japan you don't see a ton of obese people. Right. And they do have a lot of sedentary jobs, but it's their pre- predominantly their diet that keeps them healthy. And so I've always thought to myself, vegetables are a really important part of your life. That's something that's been ingrained in my brain since I was young. And so I really started to dig into like cooking and nutrition even more so than I was during the quarantine. That was the area that I wanted to really focus on and learn so i watched a lot of documentaries i read a lot of books and came to a conclusion that i'm going to start with meatless mondays so that's how it started so on a monday i be i went meatless and before i found myself i was like four or five months in and i hadn't eaten meat Mm -hmm. now the other thing about that is i do not crave meat i don't i'm not like oh i really want a burger or i want I want a chicken breast. I mean, and does anybody really crave chicken breast? Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I eat a lot of chicken. I do. Yeah. But do you miss your hot sausage sandwiches? I do not. I haven't wow. been on. Yeah, I know. Wow. Yeah. I know. Isn't that crazy? This so, was a big shocker for me when you told me you were doing this because it seemed like 
You know, there were a lot of yeah. meat that was products. consumed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, but here's the thing is I don't, I'm not restricting myself. Mm -hmm. I'm not like, oh, I really want this, but I'm not going to have it. No. And I, once in a while I have ice cream, that's a dairy product. So it's not necessarily plant-based. I don't really have a name for what I'm doing right now. I just choose to focus more on the vegetable component and the protein source. So initially when I started this journey, I definitely wasn't taking in enough protein. So I could feel that. Mm. I could feel the lack of energy. I could feel myself getting hungry sooner. So I started to focus a little bit more on the protein component. I am, I am talking about my story here because I'm just kind of using it as a, a guide to describe how you can go about finding your perfect diet. Because I, the way you find your perfect diet is through trial and error mm -hmm. and understanding how things work and really being in tune with what your body is telling you. Right. Your body is the best metric you have to figure out what works and what doesn't work. There are a lot of diets out there that the fitness marketing world sells, but it doesn't mean that it's going to work for you or it doesn't mean that it's good for you. One of the examples that I can think of is like the keto diet, right? Like we talked about this before. Ketosis is something as a, a diabetic you try to avoid, right? Absolutely. Like that's like the, the big red flag, sirens blaring. You don't want that. Mm. So when I see people putting their self, themselves into that, mm -hmm. that's alarming to me. Yeah. Right. And so, <laughs> it's, so that's what I mean by controversial information mm -hmm. you know it's promoted there but from a different sets of eyes like yours as a diabetic parent it's like what do you mean like you know, <laughs> right right this is what we avoid on a <laughs> daily basis we don't right. want that <laughs> right 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 and so it's it's kind of interesting how the the fitness market and the industry goes in one way and the other it's always so extreme mm -hmm. but the answer is somewhere in the middle right and so Talking about diet, you know, it doesn't need to be really strict, but that's what tend to sell, mm -hmm. right? When you go to a facility and here's your diet plan. This is how much calories I want you to eat. This is your meal plan. This is what I need you to cook. It might not taste like anything, but I want you to eat this and just, just eat. Mm -hmm. But, and, but the eating is a joyful experience. Yeah. As humans, we need food and we should be enjoying what we consume. So to not feed into that is kind of sad, just going against human nature in general. It doesn't mean that you can't make good choices. You can. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the one of the things that I want to highly recommend is education and knowledge, right? Like continue to educate yourself and find out how things work. Um, you know, like the, the food industry is very, very, like you have to really pay attention to it. I recently read an article about how the food industry manipulated you know sugar is the cause of obesity you know it could be a cause of obesity and they spun that to substitute sugar with fat and, and became and then targeted the fat as the bad and not the sugar okay really if you compare the two i do believe sugar is worse than the fat right but the food industry was able to flip it so that's why the wave of low fat diet trends 
came into our lives in, I think it was like 2000s, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about like super low fat, you know, like low fat, everything. But then the fat's coming back. Fat's like, well, you kind of need fat in your life. Some vitamins cannot be uh, digested without the, uh, the, the presence of fat in your diet. So those vitamins are vitamin A, D, E, and K. So when you consume those vitamins, without the presence of fat, your body can't digest, which means fat is an essential... Uh, essential part of y y your diet it needs to be an essential part of your diet whereas sugar sugar really doesn't have a lot of purpose in your body except to spike your glucose levels mm -hmm. um, so but that's what the food industry is able to do is to kind of manipulate those things so that's why you have to continue to educate yourself and kind of know your stuff instead of just buying into the latest trend right Right. And there's so much information out there that you do. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it always goes back to, to what we what we kind of preach here is, you know, just keep it simple. You don't need to do these extreme things. You don't need to flip flop flop from one to the other. And just like last week, what works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for you or what worked for you 20 years ago might not be what your body needs now. Mm. So, yeah, just keeping it simple and and. uh and I think the way that you're looking at it also with that, you know, really basic plant-based natural, that's a really good guideline, a really good base mm -hmm. to build upon. I think to me, like I grew up eating vegetables, mm -hmm. so it was easy for me to switch to that gear. I know a lot of kids struggle to eat vegetables because they didn't grow up on it. Right. Uh, I think in Pennsylvania, it's hard too, because it's hard to find now. It's, nowadays, it's a little bit better. But it's hard to find locally produced produce because mm -hmm. uh, those taste always better than the ones that you buy at the grocery market. And so, you know, when it comes to this kind of stuff, one is really experimenting with things mm -hmm. and trying things that you think you may not like and having a diverse palette of things that you like and you enjoy and kind of incorporating that. Um with that said, I also want to give like a couple of tips. It's like, okay, Hitty, like I understand what you're saying. How do I incorporate this into my life? Mm -hmm. how, how do I go? Where do I go from here? Because I, I want to get to where you are or I want to get to the way you're thinking and stop looking at calories and start look, stop looking at mac macros. And, and we've talked about this. Macros and calories are step seven, eight, nine, or like, and I'm just throwing out numbers there, in the 10-step process. Mm -hmm. And we like to focus on step one, two, three, because without solid one, two, three, whatever you do in seven, eight, nine, it's not going to make too much of a difference. Right. And step one, two, three is, are the, usually the three tips that we give. You know, eat your friggin' vegetables, <laughs> choose to drink water, and eat real food and not food-like substance. Mm -hmm. And... Vegetable piece we kind of covered. Water, I mean, our body's made out of mostly water. So you need water. And the thing, you know, consuming calories via drinks is kind of not in your best interest. It right. doesn't fill you up. It just kind of, you know, and usually a lot of sugar gets added into it to make it taste good. Exactly. Hidden factors, right? And uh, that's why we tend to promote more drinking water because a lot of people don't drink enough water and are dehydrated throughout the day, especially in the summertime. Right. Uh, and eat real food and not food-like substance. So this is where I think it's tricky. When I first heard this phrase, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And you start to see what you're eating in a different set of eyes. 
So let's say somebody comes in and says, hey, Hitty, here's my food log. This is what I'm usually eating. I eat cereal in the morning mm-hmm. and I eat peanut butter and jelly sandwich with string cheese for lunch. <laughs> and, you know, I go to Sheets and get like, uh, you know, a wrap mm-hmm. for dinner. That's pretty good, right? I was like, well, you know, let's break this down into two categories. What are real food that you're consuming versus you know, food-like substance. What do you mean? <laughs> well, cereal is like, uh, is a food-like substance. How do you, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, cereal doesn't grow on the ground or on the tree. It is manufactured in a factory. Mm-hmm. So anything that gets manufactured in the factory, you can kind of throw into the food-like substance category. Okay. So in, uh, out of all the stuff that you consumed throughout your day, what actually grew, you know, on earth? Well, maybe lettuce and tomatoes that was in my wrap. It's good. All right. Or like maybe a turkey that was in your wrap. Yeah, maybe. But that was also processed probably. <laughs> right. And so then you look at it, you're like, holy cow. Like my eyes are wide open to how little of what actual food I'm consuming. And uh, so that's a great talking point to kind of make people realize like, wow, like I now instead of looking at good and bad food separated into real food and food like substance. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying all food like substance are bad, but choose to eat more of a real food. That's if you're going to look at like one component, I think that's what I want you to look at. The mm-hmm. two separate is- issues of real food, food like substance, more real food and less food like substance. You don't have to completely eliminate them, but lessen the amount that you eat from that category. Right. And you know what everybody's thinking right now? I don't have time or uh-huh. it's more expensive. Uh-huh. <laughs> so e- I, I, I think that's a good, uh, you know, just a little segue. It does take a little bit more prep to do, you know, to have your vegetables ready. It might take longer to, you know, make dinner if you're going to roast your vegetables. Sure. But you can prepare that ahead when you're doing your grocery trip make sure you know and and there's that rule too that most of your your um your groceries should come what is it from the outside of the grocery mm, store right? yes that's <laughs> actually one of the tips that i have written on oh, here that i want okay, to cover so yeah yeah, yeah read so in that's your mind. that's you you are reading my mind <laughs> i think about yes. that every week when i Do when you? i go in yeah like yeah. really this is where this is where you fill up because we all get busy and it is so much easier to grab things and yes. you know from those center aisles here's a box of this or hey you know this will be a 15 minute dinner if I just microwave it, but mm. you know, really with just a little bit of extra preparation. And once you get that under your belt, it's in the beginning, it, it does seem overwhelming. Mm. Uh, but you know, and growing your own things, that's another point that you probably have written down too, that we, you and I both do yes. grow our own vegetables. And that's a great way to get kids involved also Absolutely. and interested. In Absolutely. That. And you're right. So the real food is mostly found in the outskirts of the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So you think about all the produce, all the dairy or meats that you consume. They're on the outskirts of the grocery store. So that's where you want to do 80 to 90 percent of your shopping. In between, that's where you want to do the least amount because mm-hmm. that's usually where the cookies and chips and all the processed foods are. Mm-hmm. Food-like substances. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some th- stuff that you might want to grab in the middle, and that's fine. I'm not saying you have to completely eliminate it. But when you go to the grocery store, keep in mind that, like, you know, 
you want to spend most of the time on the outskirts and you might have to make multiple trips mm -hmm. but grocery list helps a lot yes it is a very smart thing it's financially smart too because when you don't go with a grocery list you just end up buying things that ends up in your cupboard yes. and two years later you discover it right <laughs> right <laughs> or you're just eating yeah. it i know over uh quarantine we were just eating stuff just to get it out of the cupboards because it was yeah. there <laughs> it's true very true so that's one of the things like if you're like okay like what are some practical steps one shop on the outskirts of the grocery store mm -hmm. Two, buy vegetables and roast them for the week. I have, pre I, I prep a lot of roasted veggies for the week in the fridge. And it's really simple. Olive oil, salt, pepper, throw in the oven at 425 degrees, 15 to 20 minutes, depending on how dense the vegetable is. Take it out, put it in a container, have it in the fridge. So then with any meal, you can just pull that out and throw it on the plate and you can have it as a side. You can season it. Uh, differently on top of the seasoning that you already put on there before you roasted it. So then you have it accessible. You can have it as a snack. It's a, one of the best things you can do. Mm -hmm. And you can change that, you know, depending on the season and what's available and what's cheap because some vegetables go up in price depending on the season. But um, on and going off of that, I would highly encourage you to invest in good salt and good olive oil. Those two ingredients makes a huge difference. It might not it might not sound like a big deal, but when you find a really good olive oil and really good salt that you can season your vegetables with, the flavor of the vegetables comes through and uh, you're going to enjoy the eating experience even more. Mm -hmm. And then when you already have it made, you know, sometimes we're so hungry mm -hmm. that you're just looking for something quick. If that's already made, you can just pull it out. There it is rather than making that you know, not as healthy choice or grabbing something super processed. The other thing about vegetables, too, is there are frozen vegetables, which probably aren't as good as fresh, mm -hmm. but you have that option available, too. Like if you really are limited time rather than going to that that processed food aisle, look in the frozen vegetable section. Yeah, I mean, you can do that, too. I just think it's a lot more cost efficient. Mm hmm. And you also can season it better if you buy it fresh. Right. I agree. And the taste yeah, is, there's the taste. no comparison really. But if you're in a real hurry and not the, you know, not even the ones that are like flavored, steam mm -hmm. it in the bag and it's already, you know, that even has a more processed feel to it. But there's some, some just straightforward frozen vegetables right. that you can find in that aisle if you are really pressed for time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and just one tip on roasting. This is something I learned over the quarantine don't overcrowd the pan <laughs> you need a lot of space between the vegetables for it to crisp up right now my one of my favorite things is roasted brussels brussels sprouts when it comes out of the oven and, and if you cook brussels sprouts you know this parts of the leaves because you cut it in half before you roast it and you cut the bottom some of the leaves falls off of the main i don't know what you call that bulb or whatever mm -hmm. and when that like gets really charred and crispy it almost becomes like a popcorn it has a popcorn flavor and taste to it if you season it really well. And that's actually my favorite part. Not actually, not the actual Brussels sprout, but like <laughs> these little leaves that's like crispy and it's delicious. I mean, you can't maintain that crispiness throughout the week if you throw it in the fridge. But as you roast it and it comes out of the pan, if it has a lot of spaces in between and the leaves are crispy, it tastes like popcorn. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh man, this is so good. I've been doing that like every week and, uh, 
It's so fun. Yeah. And, it. you know, again, that's something that I learned from you and Amelia cooking. When you season things, you can really... So when you think about the things, maybe potato chips that you're going for, a lot of times it's it's the it's the seasoning, it's the flavor yes. that you're going for. You really can mimic that with your vegetables, with your food, depending on how you you season it. Whatever it is that you're looking for, you Absolutely. can you can add that in. And and just like you said, you know, you're eating Brussels sprouts instead of popcorn, but you look so forward to it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and it's it's like so nutrition and and cooking to me goes hand in hand because if you're if you're able to cook your own food, then more likely you're gonna succeed in your nutrition journey because you can make things taste better. Mm-hmm. I mean, who wants to eat chicken that tastes like rubber? You know what I mean? Like nobody wants that. Right. So if you increase your ability to cook and and understand how to season things, and and I I, th- I do think I need to also put a side note here. I am a uh, precision nutrition certified coach, so I can talk about nutrition and coach clients, but I am not a dietitian. I'm not a professional chef. I just kind of taught myself through all this and learned a lot. So my information is something that I do think is legit, mm-hmm. but also I understand that there's contradictory, contrary, you know, contradictory information out there. Mm-hmm. So it might not go with everything. And if you have a dietitian as your friend and who says, no, no, he's wrong, Please let us know. I'm always willing to learn. Um, But at the same time, I feel like I've done a lot of research and kind of figuring out on my own to figure out what works and what doesn't kind of thing. Um, And going back to the topic, vegetables can be fun Mm -hmm. if you just kind of learn how to use them. Uh, When you're cooking, I, you know, I I read this book over quarantine probably twice because I love this so much. There's also a Netflix, Netflix series. It's called Salt, Acid. Uh, salt, acid, fat, heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it talks about four components of cooking. So the salt can be, you know, salt is salt, but it can also come in different forms. Acid is like lime, lemon, uh, vinegar, balsamic vinegar, good quality balsamic vinegar is another thing that you want to invest in because if you buy a really well-aged balsamic vinegar, you can use that as like a salad dressing and you don't need anything else and it's delicious. Um Fat, obviously, olive oil, avocados are fat, any kind of oil, coconut oil, sesame oil, um, and what's the last one? Heat. Heat as in source of heat, not like spiciness, but you can roast the vegetable, you can cook it on stovetop, you can smoke them, depending on how you cook it, obviously, the the shape that the the just stuff that you're cooking is going to taste different and it's going to bring out different qualities of that vegetable so for example with broccoli you can steam it or you can roast it i prefer to roast my broccoli we just had this our conversation yesterday but my kids prefer to steam them mm-hmm. i i think roasting broccoli is delicious it has a similar quality to brussels sprouts when it comes out of the oven but that's just me. <laughs> I'm still trying to learn to love broccoli. I don't know. It might be a lifelong journey. I try. Yeah. <laughs> I mix it in in small bits here and there, but yeah, yeah it's still not my fave. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's like it's so much easier to cook when your family eats it with you. Yes. Um, I know that like my wife and my kids, their array of the vegetables they're willing to try has expanded over the course of time recently alex has never really liked avocados but i make guac a lot Mm -hmm. um, because i love guacamole and guacamole i use the guacamole as part of my avocado toast to eat in the morning 
And so she started trying it. She's like, oh, this is actually really good because she understood that guacamoles, I mean, avocados are really good for you. And so it's just like sometimes putting the same vegetables in front of their face several times for mm-hmm. them to actually like, all right, I'm going to try it. And they're like, wow, this is actually pretty good. Right. So. Yeah. I never had an avocado before, Amelia. Really? <laughs> and I think it was the color. It was the color. I always avoided it. You would see this green mush on a table uh-huh. and that wasn't what I went for. <laughs> <laughs> but now I love it. Oh, good. What were what are some other vegetables that you recently tried and you were like, wow, this is actually pretty good? asparagus asparagus is one of those things i was turned off by the appearance huh so i don't know that i ever had it before in the last 10 years really yeah i don't know if i did i probably didn't enjoy it Hmm. (laughs) we growing up we consistently had the same carrots potatoes corn so there wasn't a whole lot of experiment if there was broccoli there i probably didn't eat a whole lot of it i don't love tomatoes my mom loves tomatoes so there were always tomatoes um and radishes but Mm. yeah so but it was it was very consistent there wasn't a whole lot of branching out in the vegetables so i think if i didn't have it when i was young i didn't really introduce it as an adult so now that my kids are trying all of these things and loving it i'm enjoying it more so just like you said if your family's eating it absolutely yeah just put it out for everyone until everyone learns to love it right so a couple practically uh, a couple practical approaches to nutrition that you can take away and i want to touch on one more subject at the end Um, obviously the three main things when it comes to nutrition i said it twice already in this podcast but i want to remind you eat your friggin vegetables (laughs) sounds like these are going to be test questions yeah i know write it down kids (laughs) you'll see this on the final yeah choose to drink water and eat real foods and not food-like substance. I think that's a really good two categories to split what you're eating into to see how well you're doing. Mm-hmm. I'd say even if you're 50-50 right now, that's a great starting point. I think most people are going to be under the 40-60 split. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, that's a good quiz to do yourself to split your daily intake into real food and real food again is something that grows on the ground or trees or in the nature or some you know animals Mm -hmm. that that produce that becomes food um and the food like substance is anything processed cereal granola bars um you know anything that you find in the middle aisle and some of them kind of falls in the middle like canned beans are they like real food or are they food like substance because technically it's processed but really you know I'd, I'd say that's a real food category right i still try to avoid the cans and go to the frozen mm. i think there's a little a little uh a little more less less processed in the frozen section yeah hmm. uh and some helpful helpful tips when you're grocery shopping shop around the outskirts of the grocery store roast your veggies for the week uh, to have it in stock to eat it snack as size and when you're roasting don't overcrowd the pan and the last thing i want to talk about is supplements because we get this question a lot All what kind of supplements should we take mm-hmm. now the first thing i say about supplements is supplements are supplements it's called supplements for a reason so if you don't have the main part down supplements are not going to do you any good uh, you know everybody wants to run to protein powder sure protein powders are great but don't use it as a, a meal meal replacement, mm-hmm. you know, every day. That's not what they are for. You know, protein powders, 
you know, if you struggle to intake protein, like right now with my diet, I know that I need to supplement uh, with the protein powder on the days that I lift. But that's the only days that I would actually take a protein shake is when I'm lifting heavy to make sure that I'm incorporating enough protein. Mm -hmm. I don't drink it every day. Uh, the one supplement I'd say, or actually two supplements I'd say the most people could potentially benefit from is multivitamin Absolutely. and fish oil. Because omega-3 fats and the vitamins in general, a lot of people lack. So I'd rather overkill on that side than to have them have some kind of deficiencies. Because vitamin deficiency is a real thing. And not many people get omega-3 fatty acids because a lot of people especially in America, don't eat a lot of fish. Mm -hmm. So those two are probably a good supplements to take, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't focus on the other areas that we've already listed. So, yeah. And I often hear you when you do talk to people about protein powders, look for the ones with the fewest ingredients. Yes, absolutely. It's, uh, so one of the things about supplement industry is it's not regulated. So the example that I give is me and you could literally go out in the back, bag up some dirt in a box and label it protein powder. <laughs> now, it might not sell well because it won't taste good <laughs> and say, this is a protein powder. This is a high end and we can do some kind of marketing and then we could sell the product uh, because it's not regulated. Mm. So you want to be careful as to see what's in there. And the shorter list of ingredients, usually the better and make sure you are in taking what you want to take. So if you want a high protein in the protein powder, which makes sense, make sure you look at the, the gram value. Mm -hmm. If it's only like 12 grams of protein, why are you taking that with like 300 calories or has 30 grams of sugar? It's not worth it. Mm -hmm. So make sure you read the label before like just judging by, oh, this protein powder looks good or I saw this on the infomercial, so it must be good. Really take the time to read and research the product before you buy it for sure. I think we covered a lot of ground in we, this half an hour. We really did. This might be a podcast that I would recommend listeners to listen over and over to just kind of nitpick because you might hear a different parts of the podcast. We might, the different parts of the podcast may speak to you a little bit more depending on where you are today mm -hmm. versus where you're going to be in two weeks. And it's not always easy to start. Mm -hmm. Like if you start looking at your diet and you realize like, woo, I am way off base here. You have to start by making small changes. You don't need to... You know, just like Hitty said, he started with uh, Meatless Monday. He didn't just go cold turkey. Mm -hmm. uh, That's funny. Yeah, right? I didn't even mean <laughs> to be that funny. <laughs> just happens naturally. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah, so just, yeah, baby steps. And then you can come back and, and reference. So, you know, where are you going to start? Are you going to start by adding in more veggies? Maybe you want to try Meatless Mondays. You know, whatever it is where you're going to start, don't... I think you're, you'll be more successful trying to find a good diet if you start slow mm -hmm. and slowly add things in so that Absolutely. it doesn't have to be this big life-changing event that's, that's going to kind of turn your whole life upside down. Start slow. Make small changes. And I think the, the more small changes you make, the more your body craves that good feeling that you're getting. And then you'll just want to make more changes from there. Absolutely. In general, right, drastic changes never last. Well, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say never last. They don't last mm -hmm. usually for a long period of time for most people. Right. And big changes is hard to stick with. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, it's not about your willpower or your lack of willpower. It's that 
mentally, it takes a lot of mental effort to stick to that drastic change. Mm -hmm. Whereas if the change is small, we can kind of put aside that little bit of effort to say like, all right, Monday, meatless Monday. That's not bad. I can eat meat tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you have that like short term approach, then it's so much easier to make that change. Yes. And never make the changes as a punishment. Mm-hmm. Always make it as something that you're, you're rewarding yourself by right. eating healthier. Not ever like, you know, a lot of people attack it as it's almost like a punishment because maybe they're unhappy where they're at. Maybe they're unhappy with their current diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but always look at it as a reward. You're going to feel better. You're going to move better. Everything is just going to be better once you get that healthier lifestyle. Right. I mean, when I look at my nutrition journey, it's the small changes that has led up to big change. Mm-hmm. So like I used to drink ton of soda, right? Like I'm talking about like four or five cans a day. Yeah, I, remember I loved yeah. soda, but I found kombucha mm-hmm. and it was I, what I liked was the fizz. I think that's why I like beer, you know, and it wasn't necessarily like the soda that I enjoyed. So then I slowly substituting kombucha with you know with soda and now i don't even drink soda Mm -hmm. i do drink booch but at the same time it's like booch is better than soda Mm -hmm. so it's the small changes that's going to eventually lead to the big change that you're hoping to make so really try to figure out what that small change that you're willing to try is because you have to be ready to try that change right right and then that's the part of it you can't almost you can't force yourself and, and to try to get yourself from being forced to want to, I think it's just education and knowledge. Mm-hmm. So it has to make sense in your head that you want to try this. And once you do, take a small change. To mo- take a small chance and make a small change and just continue on that journey. Right. Anything else to add? I think that's covered a whole lot today. I think so, too. I think it's all information overload for some. But mm-hmm. don't worry. We're all here for you. If you have any questions, let us know. And uh, we'll see you back here next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.